Hey, it's Tony Bruschi from Real Ghost Stories Online. As we enter into another year of the podcast, I can't thank you enough for listening and hopefully your support. With more options than ever before for podcast listening, supporting this program and becoming an extra podcast person is more important than it ever has been in the past. And I always try and make it worth your while to be a supporter. For only $5 a month as an EPP, an extra podcast person, here's what you get. You get access to our bonus episodes, brand new ones every single week, more than 300 in the archive that you get with our best ghost stories. You get a free e-copy of our best-selling book, Real Ghost Stories, Haunting Encounters Told by Real People. You also get the audiobook version of it, as well. In addition to that, you're going to get advanced episodes of our program released to you weeks before they go to the public and they're commercial free. So if you're a big listener of the show, you want to cut the ads out, you want to cut this plea out as well, become an EPP, an extra podcast person at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. You're going to get all of that. On top of that, you also get access to our video archive of our episodes of Seeing Ghosts with new episodes coming in 2020. You get advanced ticket sale options when we go and do live shows so you can get seats before everybody else and a whole lot of other extras throughout the year as a supporter of our program for only $5 a month. Please consider supporting the show you guys spending that $5 a month as a whole is what keeps this alive. Without the support, we will not exist. So if you listen, if you've been an EPP in the past, please consider signing back up to be an extra podcast person and help this show survive. We love doing it, but we can only do it with your support. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. And thank you for your support. Today on Real Ghost Stories Online, we hear real ghost stories from real people as they share their authentic accounts of interactions with the undead. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is, 855-853-4802 is our phone number at Real Ghost Stories Online. To share your Real Ghost Stories with us, write on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, or email your audio file. Send it to Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com. And of course, if you like the show, support it, keep it on the air, become an extra podcast person, sign up at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Five bucks a month gets you access to all the bonus material, brand new episodes every single week, advanced episodes, audiobook, ebook, all of that. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. Tony and Jenny joining you once again. Hello. And how are you this <laughs> fine day? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I, uh, I'm, I'm excited here. We have an interesting phone call on today's episode. Um, probably not the last, uh, but, but the most recent that I've received from, uh, from Glenn, okay. uh, the security guard as of this airing of the episode, I believe he has moved on to another job. Good for him. But this call, uh, initially came in, uh, prior to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, I'm interested in, this is, this is a little bit in the past, so I'm, I'm hoping we get like kind of a wrap up. He's been updating folks on our, our Facebook page. 
on the Facebook group page sure. as far as what's going on with him. Um, uh, but I'm interested to hear kind of how it how it all ended. Yeah. When he uh, when he finally did uh, leave that uh, that place, um, if you've not been following along, Glenn, uh, the security guard uh, in a building that was a hotel historically, um, now I believe residential, I believe apartments, that sort of thing. Um, but going through a major revamp around Halloween, we put a, together a full episode of, with all of his calls, and you can hear all of them. Back to backs. If you want to go through the archive uh, around uh, Halloween of 2019, you can hear all of that uh, to get yourself caught up. But uh, it's been kind of a, a soap opera mm-hmm. that we've been hearing over the last several, oh, about a year. Yeah. Right around there. So, yeah. Um, so I'm interested. Let's, uh, in fact, let's just jump over to his, uh, his latest update. Uh, this is Glenn. Let's take a listen. All right. So this is crazy. Um, so. Yesterday, I was in the office with uh, two of the ladies that are in there, and we were having a conversation about ghosts. And uh, one of the, the main lady in there was like, "Hey, show her the videos you have of this place." I said, "Okay, it's fine." The, the girl was pretty much in awe the whole damn time I was showing her the videos and the photos I had of like the figures and stuff like that. The one that really scared her was the one where the, uh, the hallway gets really dark and then the shadow walks from right to left and um she goes where was it taken and i was like you know i think on the uh, i couldn't remember it's been a while since you know i took it i said i know i know that it was almost at uh two o'clock in the morning so while we're sitting there talking about this stuff she goes we should do a ghost tour i was like i'm good you know i've i've already had my my fair share of seeing shit so i didn't want to see anything else She's like, come on, you know, and then after calling me a pussy a couple times, I was like, all right, that's fine, I'll go with you guys, but I'm not going down to the boiler room with you guys. So we ended up meeting up with the head contractor, and he's like, yeah, you guys want to go down there and see this stuff? He's like, they do, I do not. She's like, she's, he's going to come with us, don't worry about that. All right, whatever. So we ended up going, we, we, leave, we left the, um, uh, the office about 5, 521, and we started walking down to down the bottom layer of you know the apartment complex. So we get down there. He's like, all right, so we're gonna I'm gonna take you to this room real quick and all this other stuff. And they were talking about, well, where's the room where the dead bodies were? You know, burnt, or the bodies were burned. He's like, oh, this room right here. And you can actually see scorch marks going up. I took a video, but due to personal reasons and not getting sued, I don't. I'm not gonna. I don't want to show it because it has pretty much the contractor in it, the two ladies in the office. But I'm gonna try to go back down there with somebody eventually and try to take more pictures instead of a video. They took us into the incinerator room. They took us where the old, where they used to burn the old coal at. They even took us into the wine room, which was pretty scary because I've heard a lot of stories come out of that room and even where they burned the old coal. So we get done and we start walking around and we, the first room we're going to is the room to the left of the damn boiler room. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to stay right here. I'll be here if you need me. And the lady looked at me and said, Glenn, don't be a pussy. Come on. <sighs> Fine. So I didn't get roped into that shit. So we go in there. They're the, um, the contractor's the first person in the room, and then the two ladies followed, and then I followed the bathroom. And we get into the room, and it's instantly cold. Like, it is it's cold, cold. And it can smell like the musty air and stuff like that and 
the contractor ended up telling us the story about when he first came into the room. He goes, it was pitch dark down here. He goes, there was no lights before, you know, we came in here and started putting the lights up. He goes, when we went in here, he goes, we instantly started getting shit. He goes, the first time I came in here, I am getting scratched and I am recording uh, with my video camera while I'm doing my first initial walk through the place. And he goes, we get heavy breathing throughout the whole damn place. He goes, it was kind of weird. And then I'm in there taking a video. I didn't see too much. It was dusty. It looked like a bunch of orbs, but it was just dust. You know, the place hasn't been messed with in forever. And he starts walking out, and he goes, did you know Al Capone used to meet here? And we were like, no, that's pretty cool. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The mobster families. He goes, the stories that you hear about the mobsters, they're real. He goes, we looked into this shit. He goes, during the day, during the, the mobster era, he goes, the families, the mobster families would meet from either New York or Midwest or wherever, and they would come here and they would meet at this place, and they would have their family meetings. He goes, now, I can tell you that there has been, from what I understand from a bunch of old mobsters, from their grandfathers and stuff, they used to kill people there. He goes, I'm not going to say it's true or not, but from what they're telling me, he goes, yeah, there has been people that have been killed here. And the lady said, well, what did they do with the bodies? He goes, they fucking burned them in the incinerator. He goes, you, we, we cleaned it out. There was bones in there. He goes, there was animal bones. There was uh, uh, human bones. He goes, there was dog bones. There was bat bones, cat bones. Like, whatever they, you know, felt like, this, I guess, incinerating, they threw in the damn incinerator. He goes, but most of this stuff was found underneath it. So I guess when whatever didn't burn or was too small burned, it fell through the cracks and landed underneath the incinerator when they pulled it out. He goes, but I can tell you that the mob was here during the heyday of the mobster era. He goes, Al Capone had a bar a little bit far from here, about, I say, 15 miles from here, and he had a, and they call, they call it the Al Capone Suite, because Al Capone, would do it. when he came to, that, came to town, he would stay up there, and when he wouldn't go to a meeting, they would meet in the ballroom, and they would conduct business there. So I'm like, okay, that's not really good because now we're dealing with shit, dealing with the monsters and stuff like that. And I kind of figured that there was, you know, stuff that dealt with the monsters, you know, stuff that went on there. But, you know, just to actually hear that, yeah, you know, Al Capone was here, that's fucking crazy. Because you always hear stuff about how ruthless he was. But, you know, and now we probably understand what happened to some of the people that crossed them went in the damn incinerator. So we keep walking through this building, you know, in the bottom of the building. He walks us through the old, um, the old wine room. And the old wine racks, they'll stand there. Some of them have collapsed because the dry water, dry water really bad. But some that are actually been, you know, a dry spot have actually lasted this long. So we're in there and it just, the smell, as soon as you walk in the room is horrific. Like, I can't explain it, but it, it I, I, to be honest, I just really can't explain it. But it was like, it hits you. It it felt like it punched you in your throat. And we're in there, and one of the ladies goes, did you just touch me? And I said, no, because I was right behind her. And then you know, the other office lady and, and then the contractor were in front of her. And I was standing right there. I was like, ma'am, I didn't touch you. She goes, somebody's touched my fucking leg. I said, ma'am, I didn't touch you. I promised the whole time taking a video. She goes, somebody fucking touched me. And she starts freaking out. So she starts, you know, going out in the hallway, shaking like it felt like somebody was touching her. She kept fucking smacking her leg really hard. Like, you could hear the smack throughout the whole basement. 
That's how hard she was hitting herself because she thought it was a bug or somebody actually touching it. Finally, it got to the point where she's like, I can't do this no more. I can't do this no more. And starts walking out. So the contractor's like, all right, you know, maybe it's time to get start heading back up. So we went back to there and we seen where the old pool, uh, pool stuff was and where they ended up uh, breaking up where the, um, the underground tunnel was. And it still had the old door on the old sliding door. And it had some, it was like really nostalgic kind of stuff. Like if I could take the door, I would actually would. Cause it was just like some like, you know, like the original 20s and 30s lettering and stuff on it. It was pretty cool. I thought it was neat. But he starts walking. He goes, this is where the tunnel is. He goes, it's been bricked off. He goes, nobody goes in there. Nobody's allowed to go in there. He goes, whatever the fuck is in there is evil. And we just looked at each other like, okay, we take your word for it, dude. I don't don't open it up. He goes, I'm not. He started walking out, started walking out. And then we get halfway out there. And he goes, um, now I can't tell you my first time down here, I heard a little girl sing. And he goes, me being the contractor, I was worried about her, you know, her safety. And I'm like, hey, you know, whoever's down here, you cannot be down here because this is, you know, it's cordoned off and it's dangerous. Anything can hurt you. And he kept hearing the little girl sing and sing and sing. So he started falling where the little girl sing. And it was leading into the boiler room in that one damn room where they burned the old coal. He walks in there, no little girls in there. He said, okay, it wasn't a little girl. And starts getting the hell out of there. But, uh, yeah, it's been like, it was pretty safe. And I've never been down to some of those parts. It had the original, uh, some of the original stuff that was still connected down there, but you couldn't access it. So it was pretty neat. Like, I've never been down that far, but what I got to know by myself, fuck no. That's some creepy ass shit just to smell the place. But while we were walking up, the, um, the two officers says, Where's the one room where we had to, you know, like we were feeling, feeling like we were being smothered? He's like, you mean the old ice cooler? He's like, she, she's like, yes, that, that. He's like, all right, this way. And he takes us over to the left, and the one girl's still freaking the fuck out because she's swerving down that somebody was touching her or rubbing her leg. And I said, all right, I'll stay with her, you know, if you want to walk. She's like, yeah, I'll walk. But that was, she was, she was like, that's fucked up. She was, I've never been touched like that. And... We start walking up, and I said, well, I'm behind you, you know, if anything, you, you let me know, and we'll, we'll go upstairs, and we'll try to get Tommy down. She said, okay. So we're walking through there, and we get to it, and she goes, Glenn, this right here, and I said, yeah, you know, the old, um, the old ice maker, the old fridge, and she's like, yeah, she goes, me and the lady, the other girl we were walking with, she goes, we went in there the other day, and she goes, Glenn, I, I swear to you, I can't make this up, and she goes, as soon as we walked into it, it literally felt like an elephant was on our chest. We couldn't breathe. It felt like we were being choked out. I said, well, it's kind of funny since, you know, people were burned in there. Maybe they're experiencing the same thing, or they experienced the same thing that those people were experiencing when they were being burned alive. You know, the smoke, uh, smoke inhalation and all that stuff. She was, um, it, it lasted for a good five minutes. We literally had to get out of it, but it, it, it was horrible because we felt like we couldn't breathe and it felt like somebody was standing on our chest like we kept coughing and i'm like well probably the same thing that those people experienced when they were dying and she's like you know what that does make sense she goes because it felt like we were breathing in a shit ton of smoke and so well, that's probably what happened you were experiencing what they experienced i said some people were like you know really 
touchy on stuff like that. And if you're lucky, I guess, if you want to call it being lucky, sometimes you experience the same thing that the person experienced when they were dying. But it was it was fucking insane, like, to see all that stuff down there, the old wine rack, you know, the old tunnel, the old doors and stuff like that. But I think the one thing that freaked me out more than anything was going inside that boiler room because I've heard so many stories of people being hit, you know, scratched, um, tossed up against the wall and stuff like that. But with the lights on, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty neat like, to see all the old, you know, uh, coal burners and stuff like that. He was showing us where they would take the coal out, shovel it. It used to be, a tr uh, apparently it used to be a train track down there, not like an actual train track, but like a trolley track. And they would bring food in from like a mile away on this little trolley and it would come through the tunnels and it would stop down the basement. And then when they would unload it, they'd either take it to the freezer or straight to the... And that's the end. We ran out of time we with them. We ran out them. of time with them. So I, I don't doubt the mobster past with that building. Mm -hmm. But when they start talking about animals being in the incinerator, to me, that just makes me think of like satanic rituals. Or an animal that took a nap in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't know. It just sounds like with cats and yeah. dogs, it, it's not the easiest thing to get up in those. Yeah, and there probably wasn't necessarily a lot of stray cats and dogs wandering around in the old hotel. Mm -hmm. That's disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. That you have that sort of thing uh, being found. What I was wondering where, you know, he's talking about them being found in the incinerator. I'm just thinking, well, I mean, this happened a long time ago. I would think that they, you know, it would be pretty much ash by now had this thing been used on a regular basis. But they said, but they found a lot of it underneath. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, okay, that kind of accounts for it. Then. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And I'm not doubting the... Um, the Al Capone thing in his story. It's just interesting to me because it almost, it seems like every old hotel you go into, everybody has an Al Capone story, it, it feels like. Or is that just because we live in this part of the country? It's probably because we live in the part of the country where he okay. was running, yeah, you know, bootlegging all the alcohol. Sure. Pretty much the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess you wouldn't have a lot of that. I'm assuming there's not a ton of Al Capone stories over in the... On the West Coast and the East Coast. <laughs> well, I'm assuming so. Didn't he die in Alcatraz? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I don't know the answer. So it's not till then, but, yeah. you know, during his heyday, it would be around, you know, mm -hmm. this area and up north. Sure. It's just interesting because I, I've grown up uh, hearing, you know, Al Capone stories all over. Then, like, everywhere I've moved, there's Al Capone stories. But I really, I haven't moved all that. I've, I've pretty much stayed in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this kind of block of states, so I guess if you're running stuff, that would probably be, you know, geographically where a lot of it is. It just, it just seems interesting to me that it's like, was he really in all these places or are people like really attaching these stories onto a lot of things for, uh, you know, posterity? Not that this one is, but a lot of like restaurants like, oh, Al Capone used to come here and, and have chicken fingers. Well, you, you think know? about it, he'd have to have, you know. He'd have to have a whole slew of places to go. Otherwise, yeah. he'd be too easy to catch. That's true. He probably was on the road quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So that would put him in a lot of places at a lot of different times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's interesting. I, the, I'm guessing like people at the time, really, including him, really would have no idea that all these years later it would be this kind of lore, yeah. you know, of, of him. Uh, and being a crime thing, too. I mean, it was like dark shit. Uh, is there going to be something... When did he die? 
Google it because okay. I think he died in Alcatraz, and I think there's kind of a paranormal aspect to his death too. Okay. Because I'm, I'm just wondering timeline. Uh, Forty-seven is when he died. So I'm just, you know, I'm wondering. 60, 70 years from now, is there going to be, is there anything else? I mean, there's not like this sort of thing going on exactly, but is there going to be like this romanticized other thing of some sort of criminal activity <laughs> that like pizza restaurants pop up with the name <laughs> of, you know, I, I can't imagine what that would possibly be. Well, people don't idolize criminals the way they kind of did during that era and okay. it's sad but they did like bonnie and clyde had a huge following and they were terrible why what i mean i'm sure it has a lot to do with just the social confines of the time but mm -hmm. but can you elaborate on that at all i think part of it was the entertainment aspect okay it was a real live soap opera it was something to watch something yeah. to listen well, not watch but something to listen to pay attention to sure you know um i think some of these criminals almost had a robin hood-esque Vigilante. You know, yeah. yeah. But, you know, they were they were not to be adored by any means. They were terrible people, but people really was kind of like, well, that's our entertainment. Sure. I get what you're saying. It's the same reason why people would, uh, in, in in days far earlier than that, you know, they'd go in, into town to watch someone die. And, yeah. And, and they'd go to like, the hanging. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, by today's standards, you're like, you did what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I try to predict things. <laughs> I try, I, I try not necessarily predict, but just kind of see where, where is history going to put today and, and, and what is going to be going on uh, in the future? Like, what are we going to look back upon now? That's like, holy shit, they did that. Mm. You know, other than like obvious wrong shit that goes on, but, yeah. but I'm just thinking like as a whole of society, things that are like, I don't know. I, I, I just, I wonder that soon won't be accepted. Yeah. I don't know because it, we like, it seems like in the last, you know, 15, 20 years, especially so many things have become not accepted. And we've written out a lot of bad shit. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like we've cleaned house. I'm not sure what else is left. Yeah. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing. An odd, odd thing to uh, to ponder. 855-853-4802 uh, is our phone number. Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. We would love to hear them. Let's go to this caller. Hi. Hi. My name is Tristan. I'm from Connecticut. And I have two stories for you. The first one takes a place a long time ago when I was a little boy. My brother and I used to go up to my grandparents' house in Brownfield, Maine. It was surrounded by woods, and there really wasn't anyone nearby, with the exception of a neighbor that lived across from um, the field. Uh, in the field, there was a peach tree, and the peach tree was a place that my brother and I always wanted to go to, but when we were little, about five years old and eight years old, we were very hesitant about going there because we were unsupervised and we heard sounds at night that were very disconcerting. This was Maine, so we were surrounded by wildlife. So you would hear the sounds of coyotes, you would hear the sounds of wolves, and all other kinds of animals. So we decided to cross the field during the day to the peach tree. When we got to the peach tree, we saw a Jamaican woman and her family, her kids, standing by the tree. 
we looked at her a little bit unsure about what to do. And she said to us, it's okay, you can grab one of the peaches from the tree. My brother and I really thought nothing of this story for a very long time. About 20 years later, I asked my grandmother what happened to the Jamaican couple that lived next door. And she very spookily told us that there never was a Jamaican couple that lived next door. I asked her, you know, maybe there was another couple that was uh, similar. Uh, maybe they were Hispanic or another um, dark-skinned ethnicity. And she had denied that as well. She said there was just a German couple that lived there for a while, and that was it. My grandmother also didn't remember there being any peach tree. So my brother and I really didn't know what to make of the story, and we didn't talk about it for a very long time. In fact, it wasn't until last year, in October, when my brother held the scary story party, that we both told our stories and we arrived upon a very similar conclusion, that we had both seen a Jamaican woman and her children, and, um, and she had offered us to take one of the peaches. I'm not sure if that property is still haunted. My grandmother no longer lives there, but... I do wonder from time to time if she appears to people who cross that field and go to the peach tree. The second one takes place several years later. My wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, this was around 2014, we went up to Hanging Hills in Meriden. This was a location called Hubbard Park. When you hike to the very top of it, it was rumored for a long time that you might see the black dog. The black dog was an entity that if you saw it once, it would be for good luck. If you saw it twice, it would be for sorrow. And if you saw it three times, it would be for death and tragedy. I remember reading online a story about two geologists who wandered on top of the mountain. Basically, they had seen the dog multiple times and one of them actually ended up falling off the mountain. Since this was folklore, I didn't really give too much thought into this, but when we were climbing down the mountain, my girlfriend and I, we stopped and we saw the figure. It was a dark figure in the shape of a dog, very much described by the geologists at the time. It had a wagging tail. It was blurry, though, and unlike the shape of an actual dog. And there are plenty of people who go into Hubbard Park and they climb hanging hills up to Castle Crag with their dogs, and this didn't look like any regular dog. It was very rapidly moving across um, the path, and it was about 100 feet away from us. We really didn't know what to make of it at the time, but we both knew what it was. For some reason, we were too frightened to pull out our cameras or to even move closer to it until it had passed, just kind of knowing what we knew about the legend of the black dog at the time. When we did get to the spot and we looked up the hill, we saw that the black dog had completely vanished. Now, there was not any good luck that was associated with seeing the black dog, nor was there any sorrow. And we have since been back to the trails and we haven't seen the figure again. But it was very unmistakable what we saw, and just based on the image of the figure and based on the blurriness, we knew that we saw the entity 
and we are both skeptical people, so we don't very easily buy into spiritual entities unless there's evidence for it. We believe in them, but we want like hard evidence and hard proof. So those are two of my stories. I hope I get a chance to tell um, more sometime. But if you have any thoughts about these encounters, uh, please feel to share it with the rest of the people in your podcast, okay? Thanks, guys. Love what you do. There you go. And do you think when you see a black dog spirit like that, is it actually a spirit of an animal, or is it something else portraying itself as an animal? It probably just really depends on the situation, honestly. Because I wonder the way it kind of seems to guard that mountain, is it truly an animal or is this something else warding people off? And that's the form that it takes? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I, when it's something like this, in this specific case, I would think it, it'd be something more than just, this is a dog. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that this thing was actually born as a puppy and then grew up and now guards the mountain. Yeah. Just as his great-grandfather did. I, I think that's something that... Um, you know, it appears in that form, and that's what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Always, it's very interesting to hear when you have something that's kind of like has a lore uh, surrounding it, um, and then somebody researches it, and they find out, oh my God, this this actually happens, mm-hmm. and and it, it's confirmed. Uh, not just, well, that's the legend, and nothing ever actually occurs. Right. This is kind of like getting to the the core of it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for uh, for sharing that one with us. 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's hear your ghost story. Hi. My name is Brandon from South Carolina. I just discovered your podcast, and uh, I've been binge listening to it. Um, the house that I'm living in right now is the house that I grew up in from a, from a baby. And uh, we've had a lot of weird stuff happen in this house. The house was new when we moved into it for, before I was born. And um, so nobody lived in it before. The area that the house was built used to be a peach orchard. That's the only thing we know about as far as we know. There's nothing bad ever happened there. But uh, I remember when we were young, my father woke up one night and their bedroom door would always be shut. Because when we'd all go to bed, we all shut our bedroom doors. And their bedroom door shut. My father woke up one night to the sound of his bedroom door being slammed open and slammed shut again. And he got up, and of course I was asleep. My brother was asleep. My mom was asleep. So there was no explanation for that. And a short time later, uh, my mom started going through like this deep depression no reason whatsoever and uh, once again my dad woke up in the middle of the night and said he felt like something was wrong and so he turned over and looked at my mom and my mom was asleep and there was this big dark figure standing over my mother and when it realized that my dad was looking at it it took off it, it literally flew out of the room through the bedroom door and uh, I remember that specifically because my dad got up got my mother up got my brother and I together and we all just got down and started praying for God to get whatever that is out of our house Uh, since then my father has passed away he he passed away in the house in fact uh, when I was 15 years old 
So, uh, since, since then, you know, my mother's remarried, moved, and, and now I'm married, and now me and my wife live in this house. And uh, we just had a little boy about two years ago. I was asleep one night in the bedroom, and uh, I snore, so I figured this incident happened was just my wife waking me up because I was snoring or something. I was dead asleep, and something slapped me in the bottom of my foot so hard it stung so bad and I sat straight up in the bed and once again thinking it was my wife and I started asking what's wrong what's wrong and there was nothing she was still asleep and I know it wasn't a dream because I could still feel my foot tingling or whatever that was it slapped me in the bottom of the foot and um, we've had other unexplained things happen in the house now uh, the bedroom light I would leave to go to work before we had our, our little baby my wife, my wife she would leave to go to work we'd come home before I did and the bedroom lamp would be on and when we left it was off or our hall closet door would suddenly just be open and no one would be at home to open it so uh, I just figured I'd share a few of those stories, and uh, I enjoy your podcast. Thank y'all for what you do. Bye. I think those are the hardest to figure out when you have a brand new house in the middle of a field, or what was a field, or an orchard, mm-hmm. and there's really no link to anything to make any kind of connection as to why there's stuff going on in this house. Yeah. That, that's hard. I mean, could it be something, you know, brought into the house? Is it something old that's been passed down? Who knows? Could it be something, uh, I mean, kind of along the lines of old and passed down, but something that was brought in an object of some sort? That's, yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, that that is uh, there. I mean, it's hard to know. I mean, there's also sometimes, too, where you're like, oh, that's what Grandpa was doing all those years. <laughs> <laughs> there, I had an interview recently with, with someone where they discovered how into the occult a uh, family member was oh. after the fact mm-hmm. and why this house is extremely haunted. Um, and it was kind of like they knew about it. Some other family members didn't so much know about it. But I I'd imagine that'd be kind of a shock mm-hmm. where you're like trying to figure out why is this all going on? You're like, oh, my God. Well, and, and this individual um, to try and balance out the negative stuff that seemed to be going on with their family would then try and bring positive spirits in to to even it out and at the end of the day they just made more spirits in the house than ever before and never it didn't like really stop anything Mm -hmm. it just opened the gate to that many more things going on uh in this house the the thinking was you know well-intentioned Sure. Uh, but there wasn't a whole lot of resources or anything like that to say, do this, don't do that. Um, it, that's just ended up being what happened. And now this house is extremely haunted. And and they don't really have any way of sending whatever is in back. Oh, man. 
So don't fire, don't fight fire with fire in, the, yeah. in this kind of situation. It's kind of the thought. It's yeah. like, well, it's hot, well, it's in cold water. And right. rather than just stop, turn off the faucet. It's just too much water. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. So uh, 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. That's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like the show, keep us on the air, become an extra podcast person. And EPP, let's go to ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to do just that get all the bonus episodes advanced content and more and keep us on the air until next time for jenny i'm tony thanks for listening to real ghost stories online hey it's tony bruski along with jenny and carol hughes inviting you to come check out our brand new podcast office Horror stories. You don't get a fart in my presence. It doesn't leave it. When I pick up a cup, I try to take a sip. It's Greg's chew. Like, <laughs> spit take right That's into the so screen. Gross. I know. You can't unhear that. It's a show jam packed with stories of crazy bosses, insane co workers, and workplaces from hell. I'm seriously getting in trouble right now for being a hard worker. Pick your ear, nose, rub your eye. That clearly probably is pink eye. Here, let me handle those apples for you. So not only is it gross that you're getting bacteria onto the money, but you're getting bacteria up into something else. And the best part, you're invited to share your workplace nightmare or office horror story as well. Just search office horror stories wherever you download podcasts. Click subscribe and start binging away now. You know, I'm single and then I listen to stories like that. and I'm like, that person found someone. <laughs> What? He'd been carrying on a not-so-discreet affair with one of the day shift supervisors and had skipped town with her and literally thousands of dollars of client money that had been earmarked for employee incentives. I wish I had a kid. Because if I had a kid, I could call in sick a lot, I could leave early a lot, and not saying you know? that they were making it up. But yes, I have worked with people who make that shit. Our brand new podcast, Office Horror Stories. New episodes weekly, available wherever you download podcasts.